Fun fact, did you know that new data finds that skilled freelancers earn more than 70% of Americans? That's on a per hour basis. No wonder they don't want traditional jobs. But does this mean we should all be quitting our jobs to go it alone? Not so fast. We will have the results of our Money Friends poll on this topic. Plus, we have guest co-hosts and season two thought leader, Newsweek editor-at-large and former Money Magazine editor-in-chief, Diane Harris, back for her second show and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I'm Diane Harris, Newsweek Editor-at-Large and the former Editor-in-Chief of Money Magazine, coming to you from my home office in Montclair, New Jersey. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders like Diane from across the financial landscape. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And we now do it six days a week. This episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by AcreTrader. Farmland can be a great way to diversify your portfolio, especially with the extreme recent volatility in the stock market. AcreTrader has a great explainer video with more intel. Go to acretrader.com forward slash MWF to learn more. We'll talk more about it later in the show. But first, to you, Diane. How do you feel better now? This is your second show. I love this. I love this format. Um, you know, I've been a big fan fan of the podcast since you started, um, as well as the Financial Grown-Up podcast. So, you know, I'm all in. And you, by the way, speaking of our, so our first story um, has to do with freelancing versus traditional, and you've done both. So you're going to have a lot to say about this. Absolutely. In fact, I've done both more than once. I've sort of gone back and forth throughout, you know, for big chunks of my career. So you're right. I do have a lot to say about it, but I'm pretty opinionated person. So I have a lot to say no matter what you ask me. Which is awesome. Let's see which one of our money friends is going to kick off the show. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's time for our headlines. Hey, Bobby, what's the big idea? All right. This piece comes to us from CNBC and it is by Barbara Booth. And it starts, the headline is, I should say, skilled freelancers earning more per hour than 70% of workers in the U.S. don't want traditional jobs. Here we go. Here are the key points, I should say. First, I'm going to read in the article. There are now 57 million Americans in the freelance economy, up from 53 million in 2014. Freelancers doing skilled services earn a median rate of $28 an hour. That is more than 70% of workers in the overall U.S. economy. 51% of freelancers say no amount of money would entice them to take a traditional job. There are now 57, um, so now the article goes. Um, This is all according to a survey by Upwork and the Freelancers Union. The top reasons that they love this, obviously, is flexibility and the ability to work and live wherever they choose. The 2019 Freelancing in America study conducted by Edelman Intelligence surveyed more than 6,000 U.S. workers over the age of 18 between June 7th and July 3rd. Of those, 2,117 were freelancers, 3,884 were non-freelancers. At nearly $1 trillion, or almost 5% of U.S. GDP, freelance income contributes more to the economy than industries such as construction and transportation and is on par with the information sector. Among the study's findings, while freelancers have a median rate of $20 an hour, 
compared to a median of $18.80 for the U.S. overall, freelancers doing skilled services earn a median rate of $28 an hour. That is more per hour than 70% of the workers in the overall U.S. economy. Since 2014, an additional 4 million workers have joined the freelance economy, which now represents 35% of the U.S. workforce. And the younger the worker, the more likely they are to freelance. According to the study, the increase is clear in generational results. 29% of baby boomers work freelance, 31% of Gen X, 40% of millennials, and 53% of Gen Z. With a stronger labor market, 60% of freelancers say they started by choice, up from 53% in 2014, the study revealed. And for the first time, many view freelancing as a long-term career choice, as much as they do a temporary way to make money. The number of those freelancing long-term increased from 18.5 million in 2014 to 28.5 million today. So what do you think, Diane? So I I have mixed feelings about about this this story. To to be perfectly honest, I think uh, where it identifies a really really important trend. There's there's no question about it. Freelancing is on the rise. Um, I think it's on the rise across generations, and um, so so I think it's really important to talk about it. But I have a much less rosy view. I think I think it's a mixed bag, and um, I think that the story goes on to say, and and I certainly know anecdotally that there are a lot of people who are freelancing because more and more companies have outsourced jobs, mm-hmm. and they would like a steady paycheck and benefits if they could get it, but they but they're hard pressed to find them. And that's true for a lot of millennials. I mean, it's, it's true, I think, that part of freelancing at either end of the generational spectrum, like you see a lot of, of gens, you know, the, the oldest Gen Zers and, and the youngest millennials who are coming into the workforce now, and, it's, and often it's hard to get anything but full-time freelance. And you see it at the older end of the spectrum. A lot of people I know, a lot of people that I work with, who just find it hard to get hired um, in there as they move through their 50s and early 60s. And in fact, the culture has changed. For example, some industries, and we'll see if the law changes this back, like Uber and Lyft, these driving services, they're built on the whole concept of the freelance model and the, the economics change dramatically if they have to put these drivers on staff and have some sort of, you know, structure to it in that sense. So I think that it's allowed businesses to grow and it's allowed for more cultural acceptance of this kind of work, but it's an interesting point you make. I mean, how sustainable is this both for the workers and then in the end for the companies? And also many of the people that are embracing it are younger and haven't necessarily been through a recession where the freelancers will be the first to go in a company before the staff members. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think sometimes actually the staff members, because they're costly, oh, are, you know, are, are the first to go. But where more and more of the jobs will become freelance, I agree with that. And the fact that there are these new big business models that are 
completely built on freelance, just as you said, Bobby, with Uber and Lyft. And, um, you know, that's a whole different way of doing business. And it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out in California and what's and what's going on there. The other thing to watch is that technology has really changed the workplace. And because of that, it does give people freedom to work from many different places and to work for many different places. So that also has helped the trend to grow. And it does support this idea. And that is in many ways a positive for the people that do want to make, in many cases, it's a lifestyle choice that they want to have that freedom um, to control their day, to control where they work for when, to decide to some degree as much as they can control it, how much they want to earn. Sometimes I worry there's a misperception that people think if you freelance, you will always have work. But there are times when, just like anything else, you may not get all the client work that you used to get in the past. And that can be very scary for people. And I think also people have to understand the difference between being a freelancer and being an entrepreneur owning a business. Yes, I, I think you're exactly right, Bobby. And I, I don't want to be too, too negative. I mean, the truth is that during the time that I have freelanced and the periods of my life that I freelance for a living, I loved it. I love the flexibility and um, and I love the ability to say yes to some work and no to other work. And, um, and it worked for me in in some really important ways. And it's certainly easier now with the technology, but, but it's, it's fraught. And in exactly the way that you say, when a recession comes, there are just fewer clients and they may be willing to pay less. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's the other thing. So it's, it's just a more precarious way to make a living. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of great benefits to it, but it's but it's different than having a steady paycheck and and the benefits that come along with it. And it's great to have the choice, but it has to be a, pro- a proactive choice. It's not always a choice. We do tape this show live in front of a Facebook audience, so we include our audience comments that can everyone watching us live can comment below, and we can include some of those. We do have Kathy here with us. She has a little bit of a comment. Um, she says, I need stability and discipline of a brick and mortar. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that, Kathy. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, and it's been different at different times in my life. You know, I saw at at certain points in my career, the flexibility mattered more. And at certain points in in my life, the stability and the discipline and the steadiness and the benefits mattered more. And um, but I but I certainly get that. And I think more people feel the way you feel, Kathy, than this survey may may be telling us. Yeah, we did a very unscientific survey on our Instagram, which by the way, the handle is at money friends pod. If anyone wants to join us there on Instagram and follow our stories where we do these polls. Um, Diane has not seen the results, but we did ask our money friends pod Instagram audience, um, which will dominate in the future, traditional or freelance. So what do you think our completely unscientific poll um, said it was out there for about 13 hours. So we got it. We got a nice amount of responses. I'm going to guess freelance. And what percentage voted freelance versus traditional? Oh, my gosh. Put me on the spot, Bobby Boy, don't you? I will tell you you got it right, though. It is freelance dominated, but go ahead. Okay. I'm going to say 63%. 
Well, relatively close. I mean, it was 80-20. 80% freelance, 20% said traditional will dominate. And just to share a couple of the comments there, we had Jessica added, I'll be joining the freelance ranks next week, as will another coworker. It'll be interesting to get some context on that, um, whether that's by choice or not. If it's another coworker, I don't know if maybe they're starting a business together or maybe something happened at the company that they work for. We really don't know the context. Um, And we have Vincent saying companies will probably drive freelance growth until... Interesting. Congress steps in, like with Uber and Lyft. Thank you, Vincent. And then boldly going's response, the nature of work is evolving, adapt or die. So just some of the uh, comments from our Instagram stories, and please join us there. Any thoughts on that, Diane? Yeah, that last one was really stark and right on the money. Yeah, I think so. Very much to the point. Um, Let me talk a little bit about our sponsor before we get to our takeaways, and that is Acre Trader. Um, They are, okay, here's the thing, everybody. The stock market the last week or so has been very, I don't want to say, I want to choose my words carefully, but let's just say it's been volatile. Um, There's been a lot going on. There are a lot of different things happening. And the reality is that there are not a lot of other places to invest your money these days because cash does not pay a lot. And so it's important to think about diversifying your portfolio part of your portfolio, a small portion of your portfolio, because things like stocks can be so volatile. So one way you could potentially diversify your portfolio is by investing in farmland. And Acre Trader helps you do that by adding actual farmland to your portfolio. And I actually recently met with the folks from Acre Trader, and it's very interesting the way that it works, especially, Dan, for a city person like me. So here's the good news. You don't have to actually go and do the work on the farm. You get to be the landlord. You're one of the owners of the field. And so you don't have to worry about watching the farm weather forecasts and all the things. You're buying a portion of a farm. And if you go to look at Acre Traders website, they have a great explainer video on how it works. But a lot of the farms are things like soy and corn. They also recently, I found this really interesting. They now have an almond farm, which is fascinating because almonds are a hot crop these days. Um, farms are expensive. So Acre Trader, what they do is they divide it into smaller pieces. So that makes it a lot more affordable. That said, If you are interested in this, you do have to be something called an accredited investor. You guys can look that up, um, but basically that is an important part of this. In order to qualify, it means that you have a certain amount of investable assets, um, and that's for your own protection. So look up what accredited is. Um, The thing about farming that I like and that Joe, my partner, likes is that it is boring, Um, and that is the opposite of what the stock market is. You (laughs) get your excitement from the stock market, but a nice place to consider putting a portion of your portfolio if you decide that it is right for you. You can go and learn more and make the right decision for you by going to acretrader.com forward slash MWF for more. And by using our link, they will send us a little thank you. So thank you. If you are going to make the investment, thank you for using our link and for supporting the show. And with that, let's go to takeaways. Diane, do you want to go first or second? Uh, you know what? Your, your call, Bobby. Um, let's see. I forget which order we went in before. I think you went first last time. So I'll go first Mm -hmm. this time. Okay. All right. My takeaway is that freelance is a lot better than it used to be, but there is still a big difference between being a freelancer and having your own business. As a freelancer, you are at the mercy of employers and clients who will drop you in tough times faster in my, in my belief 
Diane disagrees, and that's cool. My, my belief, they'll often drop the freelancers faster than their own employees, especially if, if a layoff is costly. If you're in a union and there's mm-hmm. gonna have to, they're going to have to pay you a big severance, it's easier to kind of maybe pay the freelancers less, give them less work, and so on. If you want to go it alone, make sure you're building your own business, ideally with multiple income streams that are not dependent on one client, maybe not on one sector of the economy, if even possible. So you're protected when the jobs picture is not as strong as it is today. I totally agree with that takeaway. And along the same lines, you know, when you freelance for a living, you are your own boss, whether or not you are an entrepreneur or you're freelancing, but you are your own boss. And a boss is responsible for providing benefits, not just health care, but a retirement savings account, disability insurance. And if anybody depends on your income, life insurance, too. Those are critical protections. And if you're freelancing, no one will do it for you but you. And it's important you if, if for financial security. So think like a boss. Treat yourself like an employee. That's very empowering, Diane. I like that. Because the truth is, this is reality. And we do have to adapt, as we saw in our audience yeah. comments. We have to adapt. So we can say we like the traditional model, but that's not really going to make the situation change. It is what it is. And we have to um, adjust to what's going on. And we have to think of ourselves as bosses and being responsible for ourselves ultimately, and not to assume that an employer will take care of us. So that's an amazing point. Um, Before I let you go, tell us more about what else you are up to, what you're working on and your social handles where people can follow up with you. Sure. Well, so so I'd love for you all to follow me. Um, I'm on... Instagram at Diane J. Harris. I'm on Twitter at Diane Harris. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. Um, I am, as we said, an editor-at-large at Newsweek. And so while I'm usually behind the scenes, every once in a while, I'm in front of the scenes with a story. And I have one coming up, uh, should be out by the time this podcast airs, on getting ready for recession. And I am also... Uh, just finishing up a book proposal, um, a personal finance book. And so I will keep you all posted on its progress. I'm excited about that. And you're going to be back with us in about four weeks for two more episodes of Money with Friends. If people want to learn more about Diane as well, she is on our moneywithfriendspodcast.com website. Just go to our thought leader page and you can read about her and the other seven, actually technically eight new thought leaders for season two. We also have bios still up of our thought leader alums from season one that did a great job as well. And we look forward to bringing you more new faces here at Money with Friends. And don't forget to participate in our Instagram polls and quizzes by following us at money with, I'm sorry, I messed this up. Money friends pod at money friends pod. And that's both on Instagram and on Twitter. Any final thoughts, Diane? I am thrilled to be here doing this with you, Bobby. I have to say I'm I'm appreciative of the opportunity. It's a great show and great topics and a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Well, we were so thrilled when you said yes, when we put out the invitation to you and we love having you on. Your thoughts and perspective are priceless. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And on behalf of Diane Harris, I'm Bobby Rebel. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll see you next time on Money with Friends. 
This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends. <laughs>